Hey everyone, welcome to the Portico Podcast. This is Mike Casey, the founder of Portico Advisors LLC, and I'm mixing it up this time, and I wanted to experiment with a different format for this episode. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to share my writings on the Abrage fraud scandal as they were happening in real time a few years ago. Now, for those of you who don't know Abrage, it was one of the largest, probably the flashiest, private equity firm dedicated to investing in emerging markets. And it was spearheading a big push into impact investing, and it was marketing a $6 billion fund when it collapsed in insolvency under allegations of fraud. And there are a few reasons why I wanted to revisit my articles. The first is that the founder of Abraj, a man named Arif Nakfi, had been fighting a battle in UK courts to avoid extradition to the United States and face charges, but he lost that fight earlier this year. Second, there's a book coming out in July called The Key Man, the true story of how the global elite was duped by a capitalist fairy tale by two reporters at the Wall Street Journal, Simon Clark and Will Louch. And, you know, I'm keen to bring them on the podcast to discuss the book, and I just wanted to provide some context in the hopes that one or both of them will come on the show. Third, the Abraj story is a useful prism for seeing the world as it is, unvarnished. As you listen, I encourage you to think about how social capital, branding, and reputation are manufactured, how an industry that talks about due diligence did little to none, and the credulity that money buys. So there will be four parts to the story I share today. The first three were from the February, March, and April 2018 editions of Portico's much-beloved monthly newsletter, Portico Perspectives. And the final part comes from the July 2018 edition. As I said, this is an experiment, so please let me know what you think about the format and content. And now, with no further ado, it's on to the show. Part one, February 2018. The New York Times and Wall Street Journal report that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, CDC Group PLC, IFC, or the International Finance Corporation, and Proparco have hired forensic accountants to probe the books of the Abraj Group. The investigation is focused on the use of funds within the $1 billion Abraj Growth Markets Health Fund. According to the Wall Street Journal, which claims to have reviewed the fund's quarterly reports to investors, Abraj called $545 million between October 2016 and April 2017, but had invested $266 million by September 2017. In October 2017, the four LPs are said to have asked for bank statements to show what, if anything, was done with the balance of the funds. Abraj is said not to have provided them. In December, Abraj is said to have returned $140 million to the fund's investors. A reading of the two articles together suggests that there may be some disagreements over the obligation to return called capital and the time window for doing so when projects are delayed rather than canceled. Two hospital projects, one in Karachi and one in Lagos, are said to have been delayed. The Wall Street Journal notes that, quote, construction in Karachi was delayed by a ban on new buildings more than two floors high. The planned hospital had 17 floors, end quote. Local media sources report that the ban went into effect in May 2017 due to water shortages and inadequate civil infrastructure in Karachi. Last month, Pakistan's Supreme Court approved construction for buildings up to seven stories high. Abraj released a statement on 4 February saying, quote, recent media reports are inaccurate and misleading, end quote. The firm states that it appointed KPMG in January 2018, quote, to verify all receipts and payments made by the fund, and that as of 7 February, 
Quote, KPMG has now completed its findings and reported that all such payments and receipts have been verified in line with the agreed-upon procedures performed and that unused capital was returned to investors, end quote. The forensic accountant's investigation has either not yet been completed or the findings have not been disclosed publicly. To an outsider, this looks quite bad. The investor syndicate that hired the forensic accountants isn't comprised of neophytes to EMPE and impact investing. On the contrary, they're the most experienced LPs in the industry. IFC alone has invested in over 200 EM funds over the last decade, while CDC is an active investor in 164 funds in 74 countries, including other abrage vehicles. These investors have mainstreamed EMPE as an institutionalized investment strategy. If their concerns are in the newspapers, then it's worth paying attention. More broadly, this could have knock-on effects across the broader EM private markets landscape. Integrity and transparency are vital particularly in an opaque industry and in markets where investors confront information asymmetries. To the extent this story encourages managers to improve their operations and reporting, this is a good thing. However, with one of the largest and most visible EM firms coming under scrutiny regarding its use of funds, there is a risk that more investors will just walk away from EM altogether. The industry will not thrive without trust, transparency, and quality corporate governance. Abraj is currently in the market for a $6 billion mega fund. The Wall Street Journal sources suggest that the firm has collected $3 billion toward its target. I find that incredible, not only because there have been several senior departures from Abraj of late, but also because it's hard for me to make the math work from both a top-down and a bottom-up perspective. From a top-down perspective, we explored the absorptive capacity of EM private equity in our latest research piece, which, based on an analysis of exits and M&A volumes, suggests that annual flows to traditional fund strategies may need to shrink to $16 billion per year. Can one firm collect a third of that and invest it well? I have my doubts. From a bottom-up perspective, Abraj built its global platform through the acquisition of Oreos, an SME-focused investor that was writing $10 million checks. In recent years, Abraj has been securing deals through auctions, outbidding established large-cap firms such as Carlyle and TPG, and secondary buyouts from the likes of Actis, Advent International, ECP, and Medier. It seems reasonable to ask about pricing pressures and style drift. Finally, the firm has raised an estimated $3 billion across five funds since 2015 and appears to be in the market for upwards of $7.1 billion across four funds. Where are they going to put it all? Of course, all this may just speak to my failure of imagination. Several institutional investors have read Hamilton Lane's reports and clearly disagree with the previous assessments. Washington State Investment Board approved unanimously up to $250 million, and Teachers Retirement System of Louisiana approved 6 to 3 up to $50 million, have committed to the megafund, while Private Equity International reports that Teacher Retirement System of Texas is on board as well. Scale has its advantages. Part 2. March 2018. In last month's newsletter, we discussed the drama at Abraj following revelations that four LPs had hired forensic accountants to probe the books of the Abraj Growth Markets Health Fund. The situation is serious indeed. Abraj's fund management business is being split off into a separate entity with an independent board, quote, to which internal audit and compliance will directly report, end quote. Abraj's founder, Arif Nakvi, relinquished management of the fund's business, though he is expected to serve on its investment committee. The firm announced a halt to investment activities. Private Equity News reports that Themis, 
the energy team that Abraj acquired in March 2016, sought to end its partnership with the firm as early as mid-2017. Denim Capital announced a new platform agreement with Themis earlier this month. The Wall Street Journal reports that the firm is weighing job cuts as its fundraising is put on hold. Existing investors and its $6 billion target mega fund are asking for their money back. Investors and other funds are considering selling their stakes, and lenders are reviewing credit lines for their capital call facilities. The FT reports that the firm's CFO has departed. Meanwhile, the firm is still unable to secure an exit from K-Electric, a divestiture it announced in October 2016. Abraj was slated to receive a consideration of $1.77 billion from Shanghai Electric Power, a subsidiary of the State Power Investment Corporation of China. However, the transaction has been dogged by delays. According to a local news report dated 9 March, the Pakistani government still had not cleared the sale, in part because it has not received a copy of the sale purchase agreement, in part on national security grounds, and in part because the company is alleged to owe, quote, dues, end quote, upwards of 139 billion Pakistani rupees, which is about 1.25 billion U.S. dollars at the time. Arif Nakfi is reported to have met with the government ministers this week in an attempt to accelerate the sale. What a mess. I'm left wondering if investors in the firm's funds will seek a or many new GPs to manage out the assets. Part 3. April 2018. What a mess. I'm left wondering if investors in the firm's funds will seek a or many GPs to manage out the assets. So read the conclusion to my take on the drama at Abraj in last month's newsletter. I don't know whether the investors drove the process, but Hulahan Loki was brought in to find a solution to the Abraj Growth Markets Health Fund debacle, and the FT reports that Abraj subsequently offered to step down as manager of the fund. An interim manager is reportedly in the cards until a permanent replacement or solution is found. A few thoughts and observations. Key person provisions. More senior departures were reported over the last month, including those of Sev Vedavetpillai and Mustafa Abdel-Wadud, both of whom reportedly attempted to resign late last year, but were asked to stay. The Wall Street Journal reports that, quote, the firm now has lost half its managing partners and a third of its partners in the past year, end quote. At this point, given the flood of senior departures, it stands to reason that key person termination provisions likely will have been triggered across several Abraj funds. If so, then I imagine investors will be looking for a or many new GPs to manage out the assets. Sharks circling. The firm is reportedly considering a sale of its private equity business to raise cash and reducing headcount by 15% to cut costs. It is also moving forward with its planned listing of the South African FMCG company Libstar. Kenyan sources report that the firm is evaluating of its stake in Nairobi Java House, which it acquired from ECP last year and I had talked about the deal in a separate newsletter issue. The same article reports that sales of Avenue Hospital, Brookside Dairies, and Seven Seas Technologies may be under consideration as well. With all these headlines, management teams and fund managers may be sensing an opportune moment to scoop up shares at a discount from a stressed seller. Exit closed. In recent years, Abraj had become an active buyer of PE-backed companies, particularly in Africa, such as Java House, Libstar, Muka. Had its $6 billion mega fund come to market, I imagine Abraj would have become a sought-after exit channel for GPs. In a way, it could have become to EM private markets what the SoftBank Vision Fund is to venture investors, a days ex machina of liquidity, etc. Its portfolio company, Stanford Marine, has reportedly breached covenants and is seeking to restructure $325 million in debt, 
Reuters reports that it is seeking repayment of $12.4 million in loans to Nigeria's CNI leasing. Deloitte has been called in to look into its governance and control issues, etc. Look, I'm tired of writing about Abrage. I don't plan on including anything about the firm in next month's newsletter. The news articles are likely to keep coming, though, and the developments over the last month suggest that it will take a long time to clean up the detritus from this unfortunate turn of events. Here's hoping that it doesn't contribute to investors' exodus from EM private markets altogether. Part 4, July of 2018. Quote, This is way bigger in exposure than anyone expected. What is shocking is that the company invested almost 10% of its total assets and all their investment book with one company. End quote. And here's another quote. I'm surprised that the company had more than 70% of its 1.5 billion dirham investment portfolio exposed to a single fund, and this was never flagged by the auditors or questioned by the shareholders. End quote. These two quotes come from a Bloomberg article on Air Arabia's disclosure that it faces a $336 million exposure to funds managed by Abraj. That is a lot of granola, but it's only part of the story. Abraj executed a pre-IPO investment in Air Arabia in 2007, and it secured two board seats in the process. Arif Nakfi retained his position on the board through 2017, though he didn't show up to the first three meetings in 2017. Somehow, nobody seemed to see a conflict of interest in Air Arabia directing, quote, all their investment book, unquote, to a board member's firm. It gets worse. The Wall Street Journal reports that, quote, Money originating from Air Arabia was used to replenish the Abraj Growth Markets Health Fund, according to people familiar with the situation. KPMG's review of the fund didn't mention this, one of those people said, end quote. KPMG, you may recall, was the firm Abraj selected to examine the books of its healthcare fund after this whole imbroglio erupted in the press. KPMG is also the auditor of Air Arabia, among other Abraj portfolio companies. And then there's this bombshell. A separate Wall Street Journal article reveals that PricewaterhouseCoopers, a provisional liquidator for Abraj Holdings, have, quote, been unable to obtain standalone annual financial statements or management accounts for the holding company, a situation they described as highly irregular, end quote. Absolutely extraordinary. It's a sentence worth reading again, or in this case, rewind and listen to it again. According to the journal, the PwC report goes on to say, quote, this lack of financial record-keeping raises the question of how the company's directors were able to ensure the company was solvent and being effectively managed. Another quote, Investment management fees revenue had, for some years, been insufficient to meet its operating costs. And another quote, Any liquidity shortfall was largely funded through new borrowings. End quote. Reuters reporting adds that, quote, Abraj's total debt stood at $1.07 billion, including $501.4 million in unsecured debt and $572.4 million in secured debt, end quote. The launch of the $6 billion mega fund may be viewed in a new light. The whole situation stinks, and the stink is on many hands. Who was doing due diligence? With what documents? Where was the fund administrator? Institutions were throwing money at a barrage. Washington State Investment Board, for example, unanimously approved an investment of up to $250 million, plus fees and expenses, in the mega fund, quote, based on a barrage's solid overall investment performance, 
large institutionalized team, and a consistent investment and risk underwriting process applied globally, end quote. During the preceding Private Markets Committee meeting, Hamilton Lane, quote, discussed Abraj's approach to investing, reputation, culture, track record, and currency risk, end quote, and supported the staff's recommendation to invest in the fund. They're not the only ones. It's just that their minutes are public. Consider, for example, the long list of third parties that provided Abraj the equivalent of a good housekeeping seal of approval. Abraj reportedly received its third A-plus rating from the UN Principles for Responsible Investment last year. Arif Nakfi was on the board of the UN Global Compact and a founding commissioner of the Business and Sustainable Development Commission. He is also a member of the B-Team, a self-appointed group of business leaders that seeks to advance ESG and etc. Literally, the first challenge on their website is, quote, drive full transparency. Be open, transparent, and free from corruption with good governance and accountability at all levels of our organizations, end quote. The Harvard Business School and Kennedy School Connections, the World Economic Forum, gatekeepers, auditors, PR firms in the press, etc. If there's one lesson from this fiasco, it is that it pays to do your own work. Also, don't chase shiny objects. Fan. P.S. As we suggested in March, it appears that LPs in the Africa Fund are looking for a new GP to manage out the assets. So that's it. That's uh, the Abraj story in real time. I hope you enjoyed it. Love your feedback on it. We'll see how this goes. But most importantly, do your homework. Don't buy the BS and don't fall for the sizzle. Seek out the steak. Ciao. The discussion in this podcast is for informational purposes only. Neither Portico Advisors LLC nor its guests plan to update this material, and the opinions and conclusions mentioned may change without notice. Neither Portico Advisors LLC nor its guests make any warranty that the information in this podcast is error-free, omission-free, complete, accurate, or reliable. Nothing contained in this podcast should be construed as legal, tax, securities, or investment advice.